the views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Good morning, Southern Arizona and the rest of you out there in cyberspace. Welcome to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPNTucson.com. 1490 AM, 1490 AM only. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me riding shotgun, my co-host and buddy, Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning out there to everybody in cyberspace. Cyberspace, thanks for joining us today. Remember, folks, it's it's Saturday. What does that mean? That means it's a super safe Saturday. I know you get tired of it, but we're going to keep saying it. That means slow down, move over, watch for bicycles, watch for pedestrians. When you're working on your car, changing the oil, use a hood prop, disconnect your battery, jack stands, safety glasses. And like we covered last week, no long clothes to get caught in that running car. Other than that, let's let's get on with it, Jerry. I'm I'm glad you brought up that super safe Saturday this morning. Did you know? Did you know in 2019, traffic crashes cost America's Americans 340 billion dollars. In 2019. So when we keep screaming about driving safe and safety stuff, uh, hey, we got the the insurance numbers now to back it up. That's just for 2019. Then we got 20, 21, 22, 23 to add up. And with inflation and everything just keeps going up. Yeah. Uh, It's really necessary. You know, one, keep a medical down. Because crashes cost money, especially if you're hurt, and forbid uh, that, you know, it's a fatality. And it, this is incredible. This is incredible. But I, I seen that, and I said, oh, the world's got to know that. Uh, you know, last week we were trying to get to something and never did get to something because I think Jim was talking too much. I <laughs> could be. You know how I get going sometimes. Elect- I want to hear about the electric hybrid Corvette. The electric hybrid Corvette. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, the hybrid hybrid Corvette. So so what's on the market now? Corvette's coming out with a a hybrid electric vet. 
So what does that mean? What's an electric hybrid Corvette? Well, it's a it's a Corvette that has a uh, a full, like I think it's a 490 horse motor that runs the rear wheels, and a 165 horse that runs the front wheels. So it's got a little battery. I shouldn't say little. It's probably pretty good size. It's got a battery that sits in the drive shaft tube or where the drive shaft tube would go, because now that all vets are mid-engine like Ferraris. Um, and it's got um, electric motors on the front wheels to give it an all-wheel drive status. So now you have an all-wheel drive Corvette. Does 2.5 seconds from 0 to 60 and 10.5 in the quarter. 10.5 in the quarter. I think it's a little faster than the regular vet. The regular vet, I think, is 10.6 or 10.7 or something. Pretty, still pretty quick. 10 seconds in the quarter miles. We'll put your head against the seat. And if you've never tried one, try it someday. That is that is quite the experience. Um, oh. and so it's got this it's got this little electric motor that um, helps in theory, and it probably works. They uh, it's got a little transaxle up front, that electric transaxle that um, helps you know eliminate oversteer and understeer. Not not that Corvettes have that, a tremendous problem, but if you're in really bad weather, rain or snow. You know that you got a little bit of extra traction on the front, which helps keep you keep you driving. And assuming we're not going four wheel with our Corvette, although I've seen some that have, and it doesn't come out well. Um, but uh, kind of a little extra, a little a little uh, new thing for Vet. Um, also, it has a stealth mode, Jerry. This is the one I, I thought was co- cool thing. So you can you can. You can turn off the regular engine, you can turn off the gas engine, and you can drive for a little while on your electric motor. So when you're coming home late and you don't want anybody to know that you're coming in late, you can just use your electric wheels to drive up to the driveway and then get out of the car. Or vice versa, if you want to leave quickly without anybody knowing, you can back out with your Corvette and nobody hears you. Kind of a little... uh, little, uh, caveat for the Corvette <laughs> owner today. Because <laughs> we both know that Brad Fuller's oh, Corvettes make gosh. a lot of noise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I... Uh, about, and what... Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's uh, no, okay. No, it's all right. Jump on it anytime. They're, they're about... A, they started about $103,000. Add, add 7000 for a convertible. They do make the convertible version. Um, they top out at like uh, 119 and 127 for the convertible version. So, well, that's 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 the the factory list price. Starting on the eighth, if you want to get on the list, there's a place called McCulkin uh, McCulkin Chevrolet, which is the lar- supposedly the largest uh, Corvette dealer in the country. And you can get on the list to put the down payment down for your 2024 Corvette. So you don't have to, um, uh, you don't have to, uh, wait much longer. Now, I don't know what the list is going to be like. Um, I'm not pretty sure that there's already a long list of people that, that want to, uh, jump on this list. Um, and uh, put their money down in, in hopes that when the 24 comes out in a year, <clears throat> that they will be one of the first owners of these Corvettes. 
I don't know if, if the if the if the O'Reilly Chevrolet or Watson Chevrolet will get one here in, in Tucson, but if they do, I'd love to take a look at it just to see what it looks like. Because you know, us tow guys, we need to test drive every vehicle to make sure we fully understand the towing technique required to safely and properly tow your car. So the, in order for us to do that, we need to get out and drive one, test it, jack it up, do the whole nine yards. Wouldn't you agree, Jerry? I also need somebody to ride like a bunch with me. Of bull. <laughs> I need somebody to ride with like me it. to assist to assist in no, my evaluation. No, not going to happen. Not going to happen. My not version happen. of riding in a Corvette. My version, Jim, of riding in a Corvette. I've been this way all my life for some reason. Well, since I started paying attention to cars once I was about eight years old, but. Driving a Corvette and hitting a pine tree in on in North Carolina, <laughs> I had visions of picking fiberglass out of my hind end the rest of my natural life, and trying to get out of one and stand up. You need a wheel, a chair assist or something. They are so low. They're a regular race car. Corvette's always been a race car, and I mean they are. They've got it down pat. Those things are. Gorgeous to look at now. I mean, well, they've always been pretty. Nice to look at, but uh, <clears throat> trying to get me in one is not going to happen. I've ridden in one my life. And to be honest with you, I stayed scared to death the whole time. And they nobody was speeding or anything like that. But you're so low, all you can see is the bottom part of another car's tire and the hubcaps. That's it. <laughs> I'm going, I think I'm spoiled. I, I kind of like sitting up in the air where I can see three cars in front of me and see what, when the taillights come on, I'm ready for them. But that, there's a lot of stuff going on. In, in electric, uh, since 2008, federal tax credits, $7,500. Now, you got electric or hybrid that affects. I didn't know that that affected the hybrids, too. And it says you actually need to check with your tax preparer to see if you qualify. Okay? So here we go again. I mean, to, to see if you qualify for it. But it also, what cars actually qualify for the 7500 This is used and new. Okay? Either used or new vehicles. And it's, get a lot, it's getting a, a lot harder to get straight information uh, on which ones are the best because it's turned into more like an advertising nightmare. So when you're going to Google and you're going on to uh, uh, social media to find out who's which one's the best and stuff like that, I'm telling you from a guy that reads that dead gone thing all the time to try to come up with straight information that I can pass on to you, I... If you read Google, you'll never buy a new car again. I mean, I, I, I can't believe, and everybody's, this guy is slamming this one, this guy's comparing it to this one, this guy's comparing it to this one, and this one. Then I said, okay, self, let's go to recalls and see what's happening. So I went over to recalls. Let's see what recalls. Now, recalls is different than technical service bulletins. A technical service bulletin is something that the manufacturer is aware of that's not a safety issue. And they send this information out to the industry so that 
you know, independent garages like Parker Simmons and automotive specialists, we can have this information. So when we get something in, we can we check the TSBs on them anymore. I mean, that's just normal for the uh, late model cars to find out if there's anything, any surprises that we need to know about. And that's a technical service bulletin. A recall notice is a safety issue. That's something that either affects the braking system, the steering system, uh, something that would affect the engine and shut the engine off while driving. That and that is put out by the manufacturers. That is a recall notice, and then you take it into the manufacturer and they fix it for free. That's a recall. Now, what I dug up was recall, and I'm going to hit it light because, quite you know, I, I've read so many of them. It's just nothing is exempt. Every manufacturer that I looked at had some kind of a recall going. All right mainly because of the supply chain to build these vehicles. There's, you know, you have a certain amount of vendors that supply like uh, electrical harnesses. Uh, then you have, they supply motors. Uh, most of your motors are built, you know, to factory specification. GM used to GM, uh, you know, but don't, just saying that, remember when GM started putting Chevrolet motors in Buicks and Oldsmobiles? Okay, so it's kind of like a network out there. But in 2022, Ford led the nation in both total number of recalls and total cars effective. Volkswagen came in second with the same little issues. Tesla picked up third with 3,769,051 recalls, all right? That's in 2022. There's 46 recall campaigns with a Volkswagen, 46 different recall campaigns on a Volkswagen in 2022. So what we used to be, uh, we used to see, oh, this is a good car, uh, this just runs forever, uh, you have to check now, and I want to wish you all the luck in the world. You can go to National Highway Transportation Safety Authority with the VIN number. Everything is on computers now. So you go to that with the VIN number of your vehicle. Just put it in and find out. And they want you to do it by computer, so you're going to email them in or whatever. And you can pick up this information on National Highway Transportation Safety Authority on a recall. So if you have a late model recall, like I have a 218 Dodge, I can put the VIN number in and find out what the problem is or what they have spotted if there's any recalls. There's still a load of Takata airbag inflators recalls on Mazda and other brands, okay? Uh, last time I checked, uh, I think there was three out of five cars that's on, driven on the road have some type of a recall on them that hasn't been answered, mainly because they say, well, it's running okay, so I just won't even pay any attention to it. Well, there's think about it on the recall now, because a recall is a safety issue. If you get a recall in and says, uh, well, my 06 Dodge, it had 13 recalls for reflashing the computer 
and I'm going, well, it's running fine. I don't have time to do it right now. So, uh, it's, it'll, I'll take it in. And when I took it in, I, I took it in on one recall on the suspension for ball joints or something, tie rod ends. And they pulled the records on it. It says, uh, Mr. Simmons, you have 13 updates on your computer system. And so I said, well, y'all just go ahead and run them then. Just go ahead and run the 13 updates and check the ball joints or tie rod ends, suspension, and I'm done. Well, they checked it and they reprogrammed and they reflashed and all of this. But that's because if something happens to the computer, it, well, it's just like, uh, you know, the people hacking crap now. They hack the airports, they hack the airlines, they hack the, uh, uh, IRS, they hack Social Security, they hack everything anymore. And so I don't know what's going on. I mean, you don't either because everybody else is working to try to steal information and uh, get into these cars, and it's done. The, I did a, a research on what the automotive industry is doing to protect the cars and from flashes and for hacking of the electronic systems. Evidently, cars are kind of easy to do, but... What the automotive industry, they're already in a billions of dollars on research on this, by the way. And it's because if they can get in and shut your engine off when you're driving down the road at 75 miles an hour or 30 miles an hour, you got a problem because everything is electronic anymore. Your steering's electronics, brakes electronics, uh, uh, your engine is controlled by electronics, computers. All it is is a computer, a big computer riding on four tires. And when they research this, they, the, the problem that they're faced with, they have to be notified by the, actually the cars when they've been hacked. And the trick is how fast can the OE, the original equipment manufacturers, how fast can they turn this computer back on that's driving your car? It's not like uh, Jim said you need to follow three seconds behind the car in front of you. Can they turn that computer on in three seconds? Can they get it running back in three seconds? That is a massive issue now with the automotive industry as far as can we get that vehicle back on in time. And I look at that because I, I don't, you know, I fly back. I've flown so much, you know. But what happens? They already hack the airport into the computer system at the airports. What happens when they hack the airplane engines? How long do you think they can travel in three seconds at 550 miles an hour? And so I'm just a little chicken. But uh, I mean, everybody's working on it. Everybody's oh, it's it's it'll it'll be safe. Well, if I owned an air, aircraft company, I probably would say, yeah, if we can fix it in a couple of seconds, it's no big deal. It's no big deal because remember, ninety-seven percent of the stuff that we actually fear never happen anyway. Okay, well, feed that to somebody else. I'm too old to you know get up there, and I can't even imagine being in an airplane and the engine quit unless I'm sitting on the tarmac. But, oh, my gosh. 
So there's a lot of stuff that's going on. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring to your attention is on these electric vehicles. Electric charging stations needed by 2027, 367 million globally. Now, that's charging stations. That's a pretty good number. And But it is globally, and I'm looking at it, and I said there's third-world countries that don't even have an electric system that's big enough to handle a charger. So I am. they have got a massive job on their hands. So I want to wish them all the luck in the world on it. And the battery technology is coming along, but it's still not where it needs to be. Um, so now you have the information on your tax credits for new or used electric vehicles. Uh, I actually didn't know that they give $7,500 for hybrid cars. So they're really after getting electric installed. I mean, getting you to buy something with electric in it to drive. Um, oh, on the uh, recalls. Chevy Suburban as recalls 2022 Chevy Suburbans 2022 Volvo, Volvo XC90 2022 Land Rovers 2022 Volkswagen Atlas uh, 22 Audi A6 22 Audi Q8 22 Mercedes Benz GLB so when I was telling you that everybody's got recalls, everybody has recalls. They're just I haven't run across a one I've checked that didn't have some kind of recall, except a 56 Chevrolet. They didn't have any recalls on a 56 Chevrolet. Because with the difference in technology now and then, if it had been putting out a lot of recalls back then, I mean, if a Chevrolet breaks, you just fix it. There's no problem. And there was no electronics on there. If you burn, a, if you lost a headlight, you put a headlight in it. If you lost a taillight, you put a taillight in it. Um, if it wasn't running right, you took it into your shop and had the carburetor adjusted and set of spark plugs put in it, and a set of points and condenser, and you're good to go. But are cars better than what they used to do? Used to be? Heck yeah! I mean, oh my gosh. You drive, you drive your 2018 or 2015 or 2022, you drive that vehicle around, and then you crawl out of it, and you get in your 68 Mustang sitting in your garage at your toy, and you drive it someplace, and you go, where's all the power steering? Where's all the, the, the good braking, your four-wheel disc brakes? Where's all the – and you start looking, and then you actually start laughing because I can't believe I'm driving this. You know, you turn your windshield wipers on. They're vacuum controlled. They work a little while while you're idling. Then you accelerate and they slow down. So there's a lot of good technology out there. The cars are safer now because of the airbags and the frame constructions. If you, uh, you know, people used to have used to be on the uh, opinion that you take a heavy vehicle and you take a little eh, Honda Civic. And you have a head-on crash. Which one stands a better chance of surviving? Uh, your older heavy vehicle or your Honda Civic? Honda Civics and most of your stuff now, it's, it, in these smaller SUVs, 
They are designed to fold up away from the cabin where you sit. The motor will fold under the car, not through your chest. So, yeah, they're a lot safer now than they used to be, mainly because uh, braking systems are better. They've got a lot of notification now. Self-braking on your cars are out there. Um, you have a lot of help while you're driving. That still don't mean that you can sit there and text while you're driving. If you have an autonomous vehicle that wants to drive itself, just remember there's a lot of wreck by autonomous vehicles because not all are autonomous. And right now, uh, I, I heard, I've seen a number on it, I can't even remember the number, about how many lives that the autonomous vehicles save. Uh, no, not, I disagree with that. They, they can project it. It's kind of like a hurricane coming through, and they say, well, our computer schedules these. It shows the way this is mapping out. It's, it's going to go around through Alabama and up through Pennsylvania. Okay, that is a computer model. That's what they are. You know, do we take it for granted? Nope, I don't. Uh, a lot of people do, especially if you're traveling. You need to pay attention to something, and that's about all that's out there. So a lot of stuff going on in, in the industry right now, just a lot of stuff. All right, Jim, got anything you want to add to that? So you were talking about the hackers. Um, you know, I, I ran across a thing the other day. <clears throat> Um, you know, when you, um, when you're talking about hacking a vehicle, um, if you are able to, when, when hackers can get into your car and they can examine all your stuff, maybe they can't turn your car off today, but maybe they can find the address of your house that you live at or where you work, or maybe your social security number just because you put it in the car. Um, so you gotta kind of be careful not to do all to leave yourself open you know it's not like you're going to walk you wouldn't think it would be prudent to walk around with a t-shirt on that said hi my my name is this my address is this and here's my telephone number and by the way here's my wi-fi password you wouldn't think that was a smart idea well same thing happens with your car when you ha when somebody hacks into it um it and for and and like when you leave them open for you know wireless communications that's how they get in. Mm -hmm. So, also, um, you know, it, it didn't occur to me until you until you talked about this right now, Jerry. For for many years, I've done hundreds of wrecks, and for many years, the very first thing on a severe crash is the police will come out, they'll plug into the computer of the car, and they'll download everything off of it, right? And today, mm -hmm. vehicle computers are really, really sophisticated. Um, there are like twenty-seven modules that they can log into and get out all the data they want to get, how fast you were driving, where you live, your ra your favorite radio station. If you were sending a text via your, via your phone to your radio in the car, all that is recorded in your system. And it didn't even occur to me because today you can plug into the car with a computer if you're at a shop, and voila, you can get all that information today. And you can go in, in a shop, an unreputable shop can go in and change all your features, change all the parameters. They can tell whether or not your headlights turn on and off correctly. They can do there's all kinds of things that you can adjust in a vehicle computer just by having a laptop. Oh, and the free software that you can get. 
especially from like Ford or Chevy. You can log right into them, I'll download it, you can go in and adjust all kinds of parameters. So when we talk about hacking your vehicle, it's not about it's it's about protecting yourself, not just in your vehicle, but how you use your vehicle and where you take your vehicle. So when you take it to somebody like Simmons or Parker or automotive specialist, you can rely on those guys to actually fix your car because they don't really have time to go through your car and figure out what your ha- your home address. Well, they probably have it, but they don't have time to go through and see where all the places you went because they really don't care. They got too many other works to do. They got things to do. They ain't got time to fiddle around and figure out what what you were doing last week and how many texts you were sending or if you were tweeting somebody because they just don't have time and nor do they care. So. When you're working at a shop or when you're working with a shop, these are really important questions. You roll into a place you don't know, um, yeah, delete your stuff out of there because you don't know what's going to happen. And then like the recalls, Jerry said the recalls. Recalls are really, really important. Um, Updates every day about just like like you have to get antivirus software for your phone and your your computer, you got to get one for your car. But what is it? It's a computer. And if you don't like any of those suggestions, you can get the, I'm waiting for Chevy to come out with this, the 1990 retro pickup truck with no computer and a yeah. carburetor. Well, actually, the 80. Did you guys go back to 80? The 1980. Chevy three-quarter ton with a small block 350 and air conditioning. No power door locks, no power windows. Just just the truck. So, but... Those are kind of some of the things that you kind of – remember the good old days, Jerry? Four-wheel drive, you actually had to shift it on the floor. So, uh, yep. Didn't talk back to you. <laughs> didn't talk back to you. You had to actually crank the window down. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> so, at any rate, those are some of the things that you run across with them that can happen. And you know what, folks? It's not going to get any better. It's gonna get worse. The more the more they run computers, the more things are gonna be involved, and the more we're gonna accept it. And you know, when something goes wrong, we're gonna either be really bad, or we're gonna chalk it up to, oh, I should have done something better, or, you know, I'm, you know, this is what's gonna take place. So, <clears throat> it's not. It's gonna get easier for them. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, it's kind of tough, doesn't yeah, it, Jerry? I, yeah, it. Um, and then I was talking to uh, Scott over at Parker Automotive, and Scott and I asked him. I said, "What do you, uh, uh, what, what are you seeing coming through your shop now?" And he says, "A number of things." He says, "People are actually ha- and hanging on to their vehicles longer now." He said. Uh, but air conditioning is season is coming up and this is something that you don't want to let the system bleed down and run dry and then say, Oh, well, when it gets hotter, I will have it fixed. You need to get on those air conditioning systems as soon as you notice an issue because in Tucson, it can be 37 degrees like it is this morning. It'll probably be uh, add about uh, 35 degrees to that. We'll be up around 65 or something by 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So you use the heater in the morning, and then when you turn on your uh, 
window defroster to get the ice off of it, you actually engage your air conditioning turns on to help you remove that because it dries everything out. And then your heater is working. And then in the afternoon, around 2 or 3 o'clock, it's the daggone hot in that car because it's been sitting about an hour. You go in, you turn the air conditioning on. So Tucson is almost a 365-day year that we actually use the air conditioner. And that is real critical. And air conditioning units, people, is no longer inexpensive to fix. They are about, well, since I've been, of course, since I've been in business, you know, they were making liver pills. But um, it's massively expensive to ignore a problem. Now, I noticed something on Facebook that Simmons Enterprises put out the other day that I forwarded out again. And it was things that you run across on automobiles. And the biggest thing on the the last last item on that whole check sheet, and this is professionally done, by the way, was ignoring issues. Ignoring issues. Parker, Scott over Parker told me, he said, you know, we've got... Air conditioning, February is, we use the AC in February, and we also, we watch our tires. Now, Jim and I have talked about these tires and the tire dates and stuff, and he said, those things are anything five or six years old with a tire, they have hard sidewalls. Now, that I mentioned to you, but he backed it up. He told me, I didn't tell him. And he said the sidewalls get hard. That uh, interferes with ride quality. It interferes with when you stop because both sides of the sidewalls don't get the same hardness at the second at the same time, and it gives you a little wiggle. And I'm going, wow. So you know, these are things that I know that these things that I don't know if I brought it up to you or not, but that is something that you need to pay attention to. Also, cold weather batteries. Older batteries that in Tucson are 24 to 36 months on a battery. And I'm telling you that because I've got a diesel sitting out in front of my garage right now with double chargers on them. And my batteries are 40 months old. And uh, they are, I'm waiting till Monday to take it in because I got to, I'm going to charge them all weekend. And make sure that I got full charges on them because in order to check a, a battery, if it has any charge in it at all, it needs to be fully charged to get all the readings correct on it. So, and it's sitting out here four years. Is it going to be inexpensive? No, it will not be inexpensive. I figure about $225 per battery. So that's $450. On just the batteries plus the labor, I went out and I thought I'll just change these things myself. No, I won't. Those batteries are bigger than a small block Chevy. Well, not quite as big as a four-cylinder Chevy, and they're so tall sitting in that big tall truck. The, I looked at it and I said the only thing I can use to get these batteries out because they're at shoulder height. To me, and then I got to pick them up and clear them another about 14 inches straight up in the air, and I'm going to have to use the engine hoist if I do batteries in my own darn truck. 
And then you've got to be quick enough to where you don't leave it out until the relearn process kicks in. And they're not near as bad right now as they used to be, but they can happen. So it's just you have to stay on top of it. When you go in and you have your oil changed, go in for an oil service. Take it into a Parker or automotive specialist or Simmons or your uh, any good your favorite garage. Just take it in. And when they do an oil service, they will check your battery. And you can, if you've got a new car and it's 2018, guess what? Do the math. That's what I did. And the funny thing about it, last week we were mentioning batteries, or two weeks ago, and I thought, you know, mine's a 218. I better get that thing in and have a battery check. Well, then here comes the ice cold weather or the freezing weather, and I get up yesterday morning. Friday morning, and I put, uh, I got ready to start it, and it's sitting there growling at me. I put the charges on it. Batteries are down to 40%. I said, oh, Lord. So charging things all day long, and they finally got up to 100%, and I know what a surface charge is. A surface charge where it says, oh, you're at 100% now. And then an hour and a half or two hours later or 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you start noticing, you go back out, you hit the ignition switch, and that thing goes, and you say, but the battery was 100%. Well, people, if you've got a diesel, you also have heaters in cold weather that has to be supplied by electric. And then that goes off. That You already got a low battery. And then that son of a gun comes on, and you've got a surface charge battery that you thought was good, and it's not good. So when you get to around 24 to 36 months or about four years on a brand-new car, have that battery checked to find out what kind of juice and what kind of service you still got left in that battery because we, the shops have the technology. Now we can go to the cold cranking amps and find out what you've got for cold cranking amps because that's what you're going to need when you do a diesel, trust me. And if it's down, it's time to replace those batteries. You're going to scream and holler and really complain. But don't buy a five-year battery because they only last 24 to 36 months. And I've seen this over and over and over with people who bought five-year batteries they still go out 24 to 36 months. And, they, and then the justification is, well, they'll prorate the battery. Yeah, they're going to give you $6 off of a new battery. So Merrill's even has a program to where you can sell a battery, and then for $20 you can get a guaranteed replacement for that battery. In other words, you don't have any prorates, no nothing. You want to you want that thing replaced in 36 months? It costs you 20 bucks to protect that thing for 36 months, and it's full replacement, no labor charges, no battery, nothing. You just get it. And Simmons, we go ahead, and if if you've got a free replacement on your battery, we think it free should be free. We will actually, especially if you got it from us, we will change that battery at no charge to you. And then we will check the electrical system and make 
changing a battery is not just pulling two leads off and putting a battery in and putting the leads back on. You need to know why the battery failed if it failed premature. Uh, batteries is just like anything else. They can fail premature. I've hear, heard people tell me, well, a battery is a battery. No. When you go in to buy a battery, you look at the cold cranking amps that's needed to service your vehicle. Then you buy the right battery. It's okay to step a battery up. It's not okay to step a battery down in the cold cranking. If you need 550 cold cranking amps, you can go to 650, but don't go to 450. Don't go to 350. Yeah, the battery's going to be cheaper. There's a reason. It is a cheaper battery. It's not going to service your vehicle. The electronics on these cars are designed for certain voltage and amperage through these batteries. And when you go in and you change that, you change your parameters on the computer or you attempt to change them on the computer. You're not fooling that computer. It knows what's supposed to be in there. Is there a light going to come on so you put the wrong battery in there? I haven't seen one. I know that when you get ready to start the vehicle, it don't want to start because a lot of them require at least, uh, some of them up to 12.2 amps, uh, 12.2 volts to fire an engine. The other is if you are down to a 10.8, which used to would start a motor. That thing's going to look at you and laugh. So when you buy a battery, I know everybody likes to have a sale. Everybody likes to get an inexpensive battery and put it in because it's hard-earned money that you work for. If you don't put the right battery in it and you're out and driving and you stop and you have to call a tow service like Frontier Towing, then that battery price just jumped substantially. And your inconvenience. You know, I say in the automotive industry, service is king. The reason I say service is king because when we fix your car, we're not just selling you the auto repair. We're selling you dependability. We're se- se- selling you, we're offering you dependability. We're offering you time. Because your time has got to be worth something because we all of us only have 24 hours in a day. And if I take six hours out of your day because, oh, yeah, I'll put this battery and it won't work in your car, but that's okay. It's under warranty. You can bring it back, and it takes you seven or eight hours to get that thing back, and that's all you're concentrating on. It takes you completely out of your daily schedule, and it's just something that you need to think about. I mean, it's something that actually industry should be explaining to you a little more, but everybody's in such a hurry. I mean, you take it in, you expect it back in an hour and a half, and it takes a minimum of three hours to do the job. But realistically, you really need it because you've got an appointment to go to. Well, that comes under realistic expectations. I talked to a shop the other day that has still waiting for parts four and a half months. Brian Fuller told me the other day that he had a vehicle in that they no longer, is a 2012. They no longer even make the parts for it that he needs to get for this vehicle to make it run. They no longer even make the parts. It's a 2012 GM. And I'm going, 
wow. So, you know, it's uh, you just have to take everything like the industry does with a grain of salt and say, okay, what are we going to do? Well, if, it, if it'll almost run and you need it to drive back and forth to work or you've got to rent a vehicle, um, just remember that, you know, you can call Frontier Towing when it breaks down, but you can drive it at your vehicle. If you feel safe or you need it to run to a grocery store or you need to go to the doctor with it or something, that's up to you. But know what you're driving. It's no longer a dependable vehicle. Owner, beware. Driver, beware. Don't put yourself in a jam to where if you've got uh, a bad brakes or something where you've ignored Don't put yourself in a jam to where you've got to stop real quick. If you do, pick something cheap to hit. And there's not a whole lot out there, as Jim will tell you, that's cheap to hit. But I'm telling you that tongue-in-cheek, but I actually mean it. So if you're driving with defective brakes or you have to pump your brake pedal, this thing needs to go to the shop. That is a safety issue, and it's on you. You know that it's bad you know it needs to be taken care of. So that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. You want to add anything, Jim? Yeah, on, on the batteries, I know people, it's like the, the batteries are the most ill-treated thing on the planet. We all hate it. It's $200 to buy a battery. It used to be 50 now it's $200. Um, but in today's cars, with start-stop technology, and starters that don't that spin 1,200 RPMs versus 500 RPMs, batteries are really critical. So when you're sitting there at the stoplight with your start-stop technology on, and it, you're sitting at the stoplight for a couple of minutes, and the and your vehicle's off, and you let your foot off the brake, so the vehicle will start, and the battery's low or bad, it's not going to start because there's not enough power to spin the motor, and it won't spin it quick enough to make it fire up. So then with the start-stop technology, the starters spin much quicker, so the car will so, so the car will start quick, so you can you know so you can go through the stoplight. But if you go a couple three lights and you have a battery that's weak, you're going to be sitting there in the intersection. Now, how do I know this? Well, because well, we get people who are in the intersection, usually the left turn lane. Surprisingly, it's the left turn lane. And they're stuck because the car won't start. And it was a start-stop start, technology that left them stranded. Not that it's bad. It's just that the battery maintenance wasn't taken care of. So the car won't start, and you're sitting there in the middle of the turn lane, nowhere to go, no way to, no way to get out of the middle of the road, and because you're, all because your battery wouldn't perform. And there's the telltale signs, like Jerry's told you, you know, it's, these weak cranks or, you know, it's something, it, flickering lights, you know, that's the one I usually use today. Flickering lights is a real key. Um, old batteries, you know, if it's three years old, better start looking. Better start being prepared, you know, um, because it's going to fail. At least have and it checked out. At least have at it least checked. At least have it checked. Yeah, at least have it checked because and there's, nothing, there's nothing more embarrassing than having the the start technology that's going to save you fuel. I don't know how much fuel you're going to save over, um, but you didn't save any when you called me to get get towed. Because not that not that it's not not that it's bad, but there's no fuel saving. Well, look at look at the other side, Jim. When it's 
when it's not running, it's not burning fuel, right? Well, that's true. That's true. You get you get you get to go drive five miles, and not one bit of fuel was burned. That's right of your fuel, but you get to pay for mine. So that's right. Either way, you want to you got to pay for jam. <laughs> so, but I just saying, you know, folks, it's it, there's it's very frustrating, and you know, if your car stops in the middle of the intersection or won't start from the intersection, you be, it becomes a very you know very. Uh, um, Intimidating situation. Well, it's dangerous. It's inconvenient. You know, it just, yeah. yeah. Well, you're, you're so, in the middle of an intersection. You, you're not going to push the car out of the way. Odds are you're not going to push the car out of the way by yourself. Um, so best case scenario, an officer pulls up behind him, and he pushes the back of your car with the front of his car. Well, maybe it's going to leave some marks on the back of that car. Well, maybe it'll take your rear bumper off. Maybe they'll take your. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know they're you know they're going to push you out of the way so that, so another wreck doesn't occur because the, the right. fact that your bumper got scratched is is far insignificant to somebody else getting injured in a car wreck and that's how they look at it. That's right. So that's right. And I mean, it is it is what it is, and that's why we talk about these things because it's the little things like that that will just throw your day into a total spiral, you know, and. You don't go home and and uh, have to explain to somebody, hey, the back of the car got scratched because, well, you don't have you don't want somebody to come home and explain to you that the back of the car got scratched because you did not fix the battery like you were supposed to. That is a really that's even the worst conversation. I can't even imagine how bad that conversation is going to be. So, um, um, anyway, well, yeah, it's, it's, you can't ignore it. You can't ignore it as part of life. You just can't ignore it. I mean, you're just in trouble. <laughs> and it doesn't make you feel real intelligent. Um, but the start-stop technology, uh, 2017 F-150 with the start-stop technology, 30 days later after the car was purchased or the vehicle purchased brand new, um, the battery went dead. Brand new battery. And that thing is, is, that thing is huge. It's bigger than the ones in my diesel. And they're very expensive batteries, and they actually sent a service uh, contractor to the house to change this battery out in that 2017 to get you back on the road. Because one, it's or, you know I'm sure that we, we could have put enough chargers on it to get it fired up and drive it in. But with that start-stop technology, as soon as you pull up the stop sign, it's going to go dead again. And will it restart? I don't think so. So that would be my assumption to keep me out of trouble is to say, no, it won't. So you can't drive it if you've got a start-stop technology and you've got a dead battery. The old ones, you used to be able to fire them up and run them off the alternator, and they would supply enough to keep it running in. That's the reason I'm a little nervous about driving mine in Monday morning. And uh, But that's all right. Frontier towing is still uh, available. So I'll just keep uh, jam on the speed dial in case I block. Uh, but I'm going to go in way early. Of course, Jim's an early riser anyway. So if you get a call from me, I'm headed to the <laughs> shop and I didn't make it. <laughs> I'll have a guy on standby. <laughs> oh, okay. For, I appreciate wait, that. Wait, wait for Jerry. Because you're right, Jerry. Those, you know, the the new technology with the 
when the computers don't see the proper voltage, like you said, you used to be able to run them off the alternator, but the battery controls the creates the current the the static voltage that the computer looks for. When it goes all over the yep. map, eight volts or ten volts and fifteen volts, the computer doesn't know what to do. And what do they tell you about a computer? What is the old adage? Garbage in, garbage out. Well, when that computer sees voltages mm-hmm. all over the roadmap, it it can't operate the vehicle properly. So it's going to throw all these codes. Oh my God, how many codes is it going to throw? It's going to throw a hundred of them. You're going to see. If I wish Brian Fuller could show you a screenshot of how many codes are inflicted in your car just by changing the battery, because there's probably forty. Just just because you changed the battery, the battery went dead. There's probably forty or fifty codes in the computers. Why? Because that's what it does today. So be aware. And if you're trying to drive with that, what do you think the computer's doing? It's just going. You know what? I give up. How about this? I'll just stop on you, and we'll solve that problem right now. Well, and the computer is completely. <laughs> yeah, the computer scans the car while you're running. You won't notice it. It doesn't have a light say, okay, scanning or anything like that. It scans that car all time, all time, looking for problems, making sure everything's working like it's supposed to work. So that's basically what Jim's talking about. Um, brakes, brakes on cars. Oh my gosh, brakes on cars. You need to have your brakes inspected. Uh, you know, put that thing on an annual, just annual brake inspection. At least have somebody take a look at it. If you're doing a oil service, the shop, when it, it, well, I know three shops, Simmons, Parker, and Automotive Specialists. When we do a oil service, we go in and we check, we measure your, your, check your brakes, measure your brake pads and do a check sheet on it. And then if we notice anything, we'll hand you the check sheet because you may not be prepared to take care of it right then and you may be able to fix it yourself. But at least you have a second professional opinion on this or at least one professional opinion on it that uh, tells you where the problems lies and it brings it to your attention. That's what keeps people from having to call tow trucks is good, proper maintenance on these vehicles. As par- as Scott over at Parker would say, do a little bit of maintenance all time, and that prevents the big headache. That's the difference between you taking a vehicle to a shop and the vehicle taking the vehicle to the shop. It's very critical, very critical. These cars are nothing but rolling computers anymore. Brian will tell you that. Scott will tell you that. And Simmons will tell you that. It's computers, 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 computers. And if you stay on top of it, especially with things like just look at your brakes. And if you have a lot of brake dust coming out on your wheels, all right, just wearing them out pretty daggone quick because the more expensive brake pads, they have a different uh, formalization, and they don't break up as quick as the softer ones do. The softer ones don't make any noise whatsoever. That's one of the reasons they like to use the softer brake pads. You get the semi-metallic or the metallics, and they want to squeal every now and then. Okay, big deal. But if you do get the brake dust on your wheels, on the outside of your, your rims, take a garden hose, and go in there and wash that whole thing out with water, just clear water. Don't use anything else, just clear water. Wash all of that brake dust off of your rim and inside your calipers and get that 
stuff out of there because it is building up. It is building up. And then all of a sudden your slides don't work on your calipers, and then it's eating the inside uh, uh, rotor pad, and you can't figure out what's going on. But if you'll keep your car clean, and especially if you notice you've got a lot of dust coming out of these uh, rotors, then just go ahead and wash them off. They're going to be screaming and hollering and making all sorts of noise, and just use the water hose, clean those things off, and see if that cures the problem because I've seen it, I've done it, and it does work. Anything that's got a heavy load on it, like a motor home, you can use clean water on the front of the rotors and calipers and clean it out. Rear's a little harder because you've got dualies on a motor home. And, but the fronts, I, I, I've decided I was going to do it on my motor home when I got back off a long 6,000-mile trip. And... I did. I, it took me about an hour to get all the brake dust and stuff out of that motorhome. It was a used motorhome when I bought it. And it had been cleaned up, so I didn't see anything. But after the trip, it was all over the place. I, it took me about an hour to get the black, soot, dirt, grease, grime, whatever was on there, off of the vehicle on my concrete driveway. It took me four hours to clean the concrete driveway with a power washer to get that stuff off the concrete driveway. So if you're going to do it, take my word for it, do it where it's gravel or do it where it's dirt if you've got that uh, that accessibility. Or if you're going to clean it off, clean it off in a little bitty spot where the most you'll have to clean is about three foot by eight foot because it does make a mess. But it cured the brake squeak in the front. There was nothing wrong with the pads. They were good old hard pads, the ones that we had on there. Of course, I'd done a brake job on it when I bought the thing. And um, But, you know, it, it, sh- it should have been clean. Anyway, live and learn. <laughs> live and learn. And if, if you're working on your, on your vehicle, one good reason to do the brake inspection is on today's vehicles with the electric parking brakes, these were kind of popular back in the 80s, but they're real popular today. When those pads get too thin and that electric motor runs the runs your caliper out too far, it's stuck and it's not coming back. And I don't know what a caliper costs for on the back. An electric uh, electric caliper costs probably just a couple hundred bucks. So would you get one with the motor assembly on it? And if you jammed up that motor and broke the gear inside, yeah, you're gonna buy all that. And one of the, and and of course you don't just compress them back like just put put a uh, C clamp on there, push it back. You get to you get to go through the special procedure or have the computer to tell to tell the uh, vehicle to go into brake change mode, brake maintenance mode. I think is what they call it. So um, yeah. a really good reason to have them inspected because that little bit of that one five minute look could save you, you know, well, lots of money in it because you didn't get it che- taken care of, just like your teeth. All right, Jerry, I think we're at the top of the hour now. Time for what, station oh, okay. identification? Station identification well, go ahead and, uh, and, and, a, and, a, quick, and a quick breather. A quick breather for you and me for uh, two, two whole minutes. Give us two minutes, folks, and we'll be right back for another hour of... of 
Me and Jerry. Or Jerry and I. <laughs> 